Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Weeping and throwing himself down before the house of God, a large crowd of Israelites, men, women, and children, gathered around him. They too wept bitterly. While Shechaniah, son of Jehiel, yes, one of the descendants of Elam, said to Ezra, We have been unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women from the peoples around us. But in spite of this, there is still hope for Israel. Now let us make a covenant before our God to send away all these women and their children in accordance with the counsel of my Lord and of those who fear the commands of our God. Let it be done according to the law. Rise up. This matter is in your hands. We will support you, so take courage and do it. So Ezra rose up and put the leading priests and Levites and all Israel under oath to do what had been suggested, and they took the oath. Then Ezra withdrew from before the house of God and went to the room of Jehonahanan. Wow, that's a fun name. Son of Eliashib. While he was there, he ate no food and drank no water because he continued to mourn over the unfaithfulness of the exiles. A proclamation was then issued throughout Judah and Jerusalem for all the exiles to assemble in Jerusalem. Anyone who failed to appear within three days would forfeit all his property in accordance with the decision of the officials and elders and would himself be expelled from the assembly of the exiles. Within the three days, all the men of Judah and Benjamin had gathered in Jerusalem. And on the twentieth day of the ninth month, all the people were sitting in the square before the house of God, greatly distressed by the occasion and because of the rain. Then Ezra the priest stood up and said to them, You have been unfaithful. You have married foreign women, adding to Israel's guilt. Now make confession to the Lord, the God of your fathers, and do his will. Separate yourselves from the peoples around you and from your foreign wives. The whole assembly responded with a loud voice, You are right. We must do as you say. But there are many people here, and it is the rainy season, so we cannot stand outside. Besides, this matter cannot be taken care of in a day or two, because we have sinned greatly in this thing. Let our officials... Act for the whole assembly. Then let everyone in our towns who has married a foreign woman come at a set time, along with the elders and judges of each town, until the fierce anger of our God in this matter is turned away from us. Only Jonathan of Ashael and Josiah, son of Tikvah, supported by Meshalem, and Shabbatai the Levite, opposed this. So the exiles did as was proposed. Ezra the priest selected men who were family heads, one from each family division, and all of them designated by name. On the first day of the tenth month, they sat down to investigate the cases. And by the first day of the first month, they were finished dealing with all the men who had married foreign women. Among the descendants of the priests, the following had married foreign women. From the descendants of Joshua, son of Josadak and his brothers, Masiah, Eleazar, Jarib, 
and Gedaliah. They all gave their hands in pledge to put away their wives, and for their guilt they each presented a ram from the flock as a guilt offering. Thanks be for the word of the Lord. Oh Lord, we quiet our hearts this morning as we recognize our need for you. May we this morning recognize also the things that get in the way. So much stuff. It's good to be in your sanctuary, to be reminded that you are God and to be reminded that we are yours. Quiet our hearts this morning. That your message, your words, your scripture would work in our lives. That it wouldn't be a lesson in trivia or understanding a book or understanding the scripture, but rather a change in our lives, a change in our hearts, a move or direction along a new path. that that would be where we head today. We have watched God's people walk through struggles and trials and Ezra lead them along the path. And Lord, I ask that we would be like God's people in today's passage. For most of them recognized the need to change. They took serious what was going on in, this, in the situation. As difficult as it would be, they made that step. And so, Lord, we realize even today that we have steps to take, that we have a direction that you have put in front of us. May our steps be in your footsteps. In your name we pray. Amen. If you would please be seated, I would appreciate that. So a couple things uh, for you to think about or to remind you that wasn't on the announcements. Out here, right out here, this side, this door, there's a Thanksgiving uh, bulletin. There's a bunch of leaves in a, in a box, and there's some uh, markers. I may have mentioned it before, but I want to make mention it again. The mission uh, board, I think, is who put that up, uh, my sense anyway. Uh, and we're asking that if there's something you're thankful for, you don't have to put your name on it. We don't really, we don't really want to know who. It doesn't matter who, but we'd rather, we'd, we'd like to know what you're thankful for. No, that would be illegal, Kenny. That would be against the rules. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to put something bad and then, <laughs> uh, yes, 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 I got it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, I am thankful for someone else. Absolutely. Yeah, that would be awesome. I, I got you now. I, uh, my bad. <laughs> Ken, I just, you have a reputation. <laughs> That's some, Yeah. So yeah, you can, you can write on there. There's a stapler out there and some Sharpies out there. 
Um, there's probably, I don't know, eight or ten on there right now. Um, we're we're going to be working in the next, starting next week, uh, towards Thanksgiving. And uh, I'm pretty excited. We're going to be in, uh, in the Psalms for the next, uh, through Thanksgiving. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the songs of thankfulness. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the psalmists. And uh, if you didn't know, psalms are songs. And uh, we're going to learn a little bit about what's going on in the psalm and the, and the psalmist who wrote it and why they were thankful in the midst of, uh, one, some difficult times, uh, some challenging times, some good times, uh, and, and we're going to take a look at how to be thankful uh, in the world in the day in which we live. And so I'm excited about that, uh, starting that series next week, and that'll help us. I think, I think that helps us to begin to think about what are we thankful for. Uh, one other side note I want to share with you this morning if you've been reading along and uh, you want a little extra connection to what happens in today's passage, I would encourage you to go to Nehemiah chapter 10, 9 and 10. Um, there's an account, actually a better, probably a better or more drawn out account of what's going on in today's passage uh, and the prayer and what happens uh, in that whole situation. So if you get a chance and you would like to read that, uh, I would encourage you to read that. I hope you've been reading along. We're weak. Uh, on week 11, that boggles my mind. Um, I was challenged with the idea of trying to write a, uh, do a certain book for so long, because I've never done it for that long, but 11 weeks uh, has been good. I don't know about you, but it's felt good to me to walk through uh, Ezra, get a sense of what's going on, kind of dive in a little deeper and get a feeling of uh, what was going on in that time and how it relates to today. Um, so this is week 11, and uh, as I said in the prayer, I want to challenge you this morning to not read Scripture for trivia night. It's not about getting facts. It's not about knowing more than the people next to you. It's not about being the smartest person in your Sunday school class. It's not about any of those things. It's about what will happen to your life when it goes in and you're able to change and God changes you and that's what's going on in today's passage Ezra as you remember last week do you remember what happened last week Dan Lyons I appreciated his comment after service he said I wouldn't be much like Ezra I don't have much left to pull out <laughs> do you remember do you remember what happened he pulled out the hair and his beard and his hair and he tore his clothes, and in Nehemiah it tells us uh, that they had poured dust on their heads. They were in mourning. You remember that? And they began to realize that what was going on was serious business. It was not to be taken lightly. When Ezra realized that there was this intermarrying of all these other tribes and faiths and religions, and it was polluting God's people... Something serious was about to go down, and we alluded a little bit to that last week. Do you remember that? So what did you guys hear? What did you hear this week in this passage? By the way, there was a bunch of names. We didn't end up reading the names again. If you want to read the names, the part we didn't read in Ezra 10 was all the names of the people who had married, intermarried with women of different and had put them, those wives away. 
Uh, if you would like to read those names, uh, you're more than welcome to read them. Uh, but I didn't feel like it would be fair to, to have Brentley read all those names that we none of us can really pronounce very well. So what did you guys hear this week? Any, any comments on what you heard uh, reading Ezra chapter 10? Absolutely, right? There were a couple, right? Yeah, not 100%, and they actually got their names in there. I don't know if that's good or bad. I thought the, I wondered the same thing. There was at least two or three names of people who weren't okay with what was going on, right? So obviously those people probably either stepped away from the faith or they took their wives and went home, uh, and obviously they were, I, I'm assuming they were probably intermarried and weren't going to put their wives away, which is at the end of the story what happens in the, in the passage. So uh, they, weren't, they weren't all for what was going on there, right? Uh, what else? Anything else? Putting your wives away. When when they're done cooking supper, you close. <laughs> Veronica, you open this door really wide. No, so you didn't read Ezra ten. I'm going to help you understand. So they intermarried with women of different faiths, right? Idol worshippers. And so putting them away meant divorcing them. Sorry, I. I Divorce, because they didn't have that word's not in scripture. <laughs> they did right. Well, they had to decide, right? And that's, I, yeah, they had to decide who was going to be. Uh, they they didn't want to do it in like a one fell swoop, and so they worked through. Uh, they said, "Well, our sin is great enough that we had to do more than one or two days of what's going to happen." Steve. It only took you 45 years to figure out you're Baptist. <laughs> just so you know, I'm not picking on Steve that he said that to me lots of times before that. So I just, I'm just picking on him, but he's, he has said that to me a bunch. <laughs> uh, Glenn? They were definitely mixed up in all of what was going on. Brian, what'd you got? And what they do when they saw the error of the ways? And they begin to change, right? If you're old, you may have heard this comment. Go, oh, sorry, Mark. Go ahead. Amen. It's a difficult decision what they had to do, right? I mean, we, we don't, we don't, we think, we just read it and it's not that we're not living it. But think about going through and saying, okay, well, we're, this, this isn't, you're on trial. These are our, these, this is, your wife's an idol worshiper and you're going to have to divorce her and the kids and they need to, you need to separate. Maybe. And the and they were right a part of the 
or grace. Right, it doesn't give us, right, we don't, it's a good point. It doesn't give us, it doesn't give us that, and maybe that's where the, why they needed the trial. Maybe that's where the, Right, it said you need to be separated, right? You need to be separated from these people. It's an interesting, it, it, it begs the question about, no matter what, it was difficult. It was going to be difficult for people uh, to have to be in the, in the position where you would be on trial, uh, and you would, someone would decide for you whether your wife was uh, worthy to be, you were to be married to her anymore, or to be divorced and separated from your kids, your wife, and to break that off. That's, that's difficult stuff. And I don't know if you... It, for me, it's challenging to think about what it takes to trust a leader enough to follow that. Right? Because our first instance is self-preservation over listening to someone else or trusting someone else or believing uh, that they would know better. And so at the end of the day, this, to me, this passage speaks about the proof is in the pudding. Do you ever hear that? Do you, know, do you realize that it's really not about pudding, as you would, might think? Does anybody know what that means? Does anybody want to uh, quickly have an uh, understanding of what proof in the pudding? I used to hear that lots. In your deeds? Okay. So... You're going to have to act upon something to find out whether it's there, right? And the proof in the pudding comes from the 14th century. And pudding wasn't with raspberries and whipped cream and all those nice things. Pudding then was a sausage. And just so you know, they didn't have refrigerators. I know that's going to surprise you. They didn't have refrigeration. And the, the original uh, quote was, the proof in the pudding is in the eating. So to find out whether the sausage was any good or not, as in not spoiled, <laughs> as in not going to kill you, uh, as in whether it's any good, is you had to try it. You had to eat it. You had to act upon it. Is that, is that sausage any good? Well, try it and let's see. We're going to find out. Because we can look at that sausage all day long. But we're not going to be able to tell if it's any good unless we try it. Nowadays, we have a lot better ways to tell whether things are good, bad, or indifferent. But, but back then, the proof of the pudding was in the eating. Was it any good? And in this passage, the proof is in the pudding of saying, I am going to trust that Ezra has a plan, that God's people have a better plan than I have, and essentially that God has a better plan for my life than I have figured out already. It's easy to say, right? Really easy to say. Yeah, I trust God, right? That's the easiest thing in the world to say. You know when it gets really interesting? When I trust, I trust God and I get tested. Right? You know, if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. I, I trust God, and then he puts a test right out there in front of me. 
He says, do you really? Right? Do you really trust me? Do you love me? You know you've been there, right? You know if you've been there. So many times I've watched people take a step of faith. I trust you, God. And then, oh boy, it gets exciting. Just ask Mark about when he broke his leg, right, Mark? <laughs> Perfect example, right? Do you, do you trust me? When I took the first position here as associate pastor, it was, it was pretty interesting when it finally came down to the point of, like, hey, are you going to be called to this or not? It was like, okay, you can talk trash all you want, right? You had a regular job, and it looks good. You have a good resume, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you've been called, but are you going to take the step of faith that puts you, are you going to quit a job? I'd never quit a job in my life. Just so you know, I've only ever quit one job like that. I, I just didn't even know what, I couldn't hardly fathom what quitting a job meant. Are you going to quit a job and work for half the money? Wait a minute, that's a silly idea. <laughs> and I had people where I work said, that seems like a ridiculous idea. Right? And it doesn't make sense in the world's eyes. And I will tell you that people are always really encouraging. Yeah, it's a great idea. But at the end of the day, it's one person's decision, is it not? <laughs> it's one person's. Now, my, obviously, it was my wife and my family's and I decision. But the reality is, at the end of the day, I have to take that step. And I can call the shots to stop. And I can turn around and go back to doing what I was doing. And that's what happens in this passage. Paul mentions there's a few people that weren't, they weren't ready to do it. Now it says most of the people came around and they said, okay, Ezra, we trust you and we have a plan, that you have a plan and we want to get right with God. We want to make a change. We have spent 10 weeks in Ezra all coming to this point. Where we're given, there's a line drawn in the sand. Are you going to make a change or are you going to continue to do uh, what you've done? If you make a promise, you stick to the promise. Verse 3 says, they Let us make a covenant before our God and send away all these women and heir children in accordance with the counsel of my Lord, Ezra, and, and all of those who fear the commands of our God. Let it be done according to the law. I place my family's situation in the hands of the law, in the hands of God. I promise I'm going to do this. I, I just lay it out there that God, whatever you got, whatever your plan is, plan is have at it. Boy, that's easy to say. Let me make it a little more real for you. Maybe a little more relevant. I don't like politics, not even a little bit. But God, I believe that you have a better plan than I could ever figure out for those who run this country. And I'm going to pray for whoever is in that office and whoever gets in that office. Let's make it a little more real. 
Because I guarantee that if that's on your heart, because it's, if it's not, you're hiding. <laughs> uh, someone said to me they got eight pieces of mail <laughs> uh, one day from the political stuff. Do you believe that God's got our best interest in mind? No matter who is in office, who ends up in office, who doesn't end up in office, do you believe that God's got our best interest in mind? Because if you do, it won't eat you alive if one person or the other person gets in. It won't consume your days. You know why? Because our God is up here and politicians are here. Might not be popular, but I believe that that's the truth according to the scriptures. And I'll tell you what I've always said for the last 30 years. I haven't starved to death and I haven't gotten rich. So it doesn't really matter who's in the office. So far, so good. Haven't done either one of those. If God cares about the sparrow, he sure as heck cares about us a whole lot more than that sparrow. Don't allow that stuff to eat you alive. Make a promise to our God that we're going to follow Him over and above all of man's things. You know, sometimes you put a slide in and you have no idea. I can't remember. It made sense when I put it in there. But I don't know. The scripture in, in, in 10.4 is when, when God's people come around, they say, Rise up and, and have courage and do it, Ezra. Do what God has called you to do. This matter is in your hands. Can you say that today? God, rise up and take care of it. It is in your hands. That means I'm not going to lose sleep when something happens that I don't like. It means I'm not going to lose sleep when I get frustrated about things I can't control. Do I be concerned? Yeah, I think you should be concerned. I'm not saying bury your head in the sand and don't ever pay attention to anything. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is don't allow it to consume you. Because all too often it tears us alive. It tears us apart. It's not good. It's not good for us. My prayer is that things settle down no matter what happens and that we get back to some kind of sense of normal, but I don't know. My sense is it probably isn't going to head that way. Scripture doesn't say, hey, things are going to be light and fluffy and happy. You're either in it for the long haul or you're not. If there's sin in your life, you need to get rid of it. You need to get that out. I want to uh, share with you just for a minute about Robin Laura's testimony. It was, it was an awesome... Uh, if you don't know, Laura's my cousin. So 
I've known her since I've not known her. <laughs> since we've been we've been cousins since we've been born. How about that? Pretty amazing, huh? And uh, we actually we grew up together and hung out a lot together. And uh, so I remember when she met Rob and, and they got married. And uh, today it was special. Today is special. And it's special for this reason. I have watched them. They went to church with us at the other church. And I'm not going to tell you something they wouldn't tell you. Uh, they shared it as their, part of their testimony, and they'll sh- they would, I'm sure they would tell you. That they spent a lot of years getting close to God and pulling away from God. They would come and be a part of the church, and then they would kind of pull back. And, and, it, and it was this in and out sense for them. Um, sometimes it was closer, sometimes it was further. And then something happened, and I, I don't know all the details, I don't need to know the details. But something happened six or seven or eight years ago. And they started to get serious about their faith. It wasn't just talk, it was action. They started to come to Bible study. They started to get involved in Sunday. Come to church on Sunday, bring the kids on Wednesday, the grandkids on Wednesday. Come on Wednesdays. Being involved, being connected, beginning to change. Now, maybe on the outside you didn't see a lot of that, but I guarantee on the inside they began to sense that God was working in their life. And for me, because I've known them forever, it was like something's changing in this situation. The commitment level has taken a step up for whatever reason. They began to realize and value their relationship with Christ. That's why I think even makes it more special was that Kelly had a great idea this morning. Put them both in there at the same time. That's awesome. I didn't think of it. I loved it. Um, it was probably probably part of the really cool part of the of the baptism was. Yeah, they got to do this together. They made a commitment together. They both committed uh, to grow in their faith and to make some changes and to do some things different than they had done uh, previous in their life, in their marriage, in their relationship with each other. Something changed, and they began to do God's will. And we have watched over the years that really begin to come to fruition, that God has really been working in their lives. See, they made a promise to God and a promise to each other to change the way they were living life. And I always think it's super easy to say, yep, I believe in God and I trust God. But it's a whole lot harder to make the changes that it takes to follow Him. And I'm proud of them today for taking that step. Is life going to be easy no. Are there going to be some new challenges? Absolutely. But they took a big step in growing closer to God through baptism. And I'm excited to see where God takes them. Because they're both working on themselves. They're both working on their faith. They're digging into Scripture. They're seeking God. And today was just a piece of that, right? We'll look back in 10 years. They'll be like, 
That's pretty cool. Remember when you got baptized? And some of you have been baptized, and you, and you remember that time, and you remember that step in your life, that promise kept. And how God used it. Just like these people in Ezra's day, they made a covenant in their life. And said, we're going to do the right thing. We're going to make the right steps. We're going to take the right road. We've had enough of going the wrong way. See, some of us, it takes longer to get it, (laughs) to figure it out. Some of us are better at figuring it out earlier. It is what it is. All of this Ezra series is for naught if you choose not to make any changes. Really, let's be honest. Come and sit and listen in church and worship for an hour every week is for naught if you choose not to change. On your Connect card, I very rarely talk about the Connect card, but there's an opportunity to write on there, and I just want to encourage you. It says, my covenant before God this morning is. What is your promise? Covenant is a nice word for promise. A marriage covenant is a promise. I'll promise to stay married to you. What is your promise to God today? I dare you to write something on there. I might ask you about it in a couple months. I dare you. What is your promise to God today? If you can't write it on there, write it on a piece of paper in your Bible. My prayer will be that you come across that piece of paper in a short time. What is your promise to God this morning? It doesn't have to be some big, long thing. What is your promise? I don't know if you noticed, once God's people realized that Ezra was going to be deciding what was going to happen, they said, we support you. Take courage and do this. And Ezra rose up, it says in verse 5, and put the leading priests and Levites and all the Israelites under oath to do what had been suggested. Then Ezra withdrew from before the house of God and went to the room of uh, Jehoahan and Eliashib. And while he was there, he ate no food and he drank no water. As he continued to mourn and pray over the unfaithfulness of the exiles. In order to support each other, I believe we need to fast and pray. We need to fast and pray for God's direction for us as a church. This came up in a deacon and deaconess boards last month, or the beginning of the month. And I thought, quite honestly, it was, it was genius. We need to have unity as a church. We need to be connected as a church. I'm behind, sorry. Uh, And we need to begin to think about and pray about where God is leading us as a church. Uh, I want to go, oops. I want to talk just a minute about fasting. I know we think of fasting as don't eat any food, right? That's what we always think about. And for some of us, that medically doesn't work. 
or doesn't work as well. So I want to encourage you to think outside the box just for a minute. I put a couple things on here. We sure could fast from this. Maybe a little bit of music if we're music lovers or fasting from Facebook would probably save me about an hour a day. Or fasting my TV show that I might like. There's something in your life that's taking up time and energy. Time and energy that you don't really need to be wasted on that could be better used in fasting and prayer. I want to encourage you to think about what that is even at this moment. What is that thing that gets in the way? Because we need to be fasting and praying. I want to, I'm going to buzz through some of these. Uh, that just reminds me that we are uh, divided in a lot of ways in this nation. Someone said to me a couple weeks ago, democracy is awful fragile right now. And I believe that to be true. I believe that to be true. So what I want you to do is to uh, get a prayer list. I want to make mention in the back in the narthex, I had one, I don't know where I put it. Uh, there's a list of prayer concerns from this church. They get updated every week. And if you need something to pray about, there's a whole list, usually a page and a half to two pages, of things to pray over. I want, you to, I want to encourage you to pray for those in your row, in your pew, those who you know are dealing with struggles and concerns. Different struggles, different problems. I want you to pray about those who you struggle with. It's easy to pray for people like I like, like my wife, right? The challenge is praying for those, Scripture says, pray for your enemies. That's hard. And in this passage, it talks about the first day of the, of the ninth month that they started, or tenth month, and then they, they went to the first day of the uh, first month. And so it happens to be that next Sunday is the first of November. I know that's crazy to think about. We're almost through the year. So I'm asking, the deacon and deaconess board is uh, asking that you consider prayer and fasting on that Sunday. That would be next Sunday. And that we as a church, as a church community, as a ch church gathering, take next Sunday. Now that doesn't mean you skip church. You can still come. No, no fasting from church. Fasting to church. You have to fast to church. No. I'm asking that we as a community, as a church community, begin to call out to God as a group and pray for unity of our church, of our neighborhood, of our state, and of our nation. Because I don't know about you, but it, it is fractured and a mess. And then we pray for God's direction in our lives. And whatever you fast, it's between you and God. I, and whether you do it or you don't, uh, that's up to you as well. But I can't help but think that God's people fasting and praying together wouldn't be a powerful uh, one for us as his people, and two, to help 
uh, us direct and understand God's will for our lives. My hope is that um, we decide to renew that every first of the month, but I don't know. We'll see where that goes. I don't. I don't know. But they ask the deacons and deaconesses asked for that, and I thought it was a really uh, very pertinent uh, thing because there's there's some fracture in here as well. Um, mask, no mask, those kind of things are they're, they're, They do. There's an undertone that separates us. Church, we don't need it. Republican, Democrat, whatever you pick, pick. There are these things that continue to fracture things apart. And it's to me, it's just a part of the world we live in. And yet, God says that we should be of one accord. That we somehow need to be together. That our faith should take a spot bigger than all those other things of the world. And so I'll challenge you next Sunday to fast and pray. And I'll ask you the question, do you trust God in everything? Maybe you're here and you don't trust God in anything. Maybe you've not come to the point where you feel like you can step out and trust that God has your back or your best plan in life. Let me tell you, Scripture is very plain. It tells us that we can call on one name, and that is Jesus, who lived perfect life, who took it to the cross, who died and rose again for us. There is only one name in which we can call upon. All others will fail miserably. Our own perspectives will fail miserably. Let me encourage you to trust God in everything. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you this morning. We are thankful. Thankful to be in your house. Thankful that, Lord, as we watch Ezra's family and friends and your people come around him and, Lord, just come and recognize your hand in their lives. That, Lord, they went to the point of giving up control of their own lives so that you would control what happened in their lives. Lord, may we be a people who gives up our control, our hand, that we, Lord, would step back and recognize the value of our relationship with you. For every time we pull back our control, we recognize uh, that we don't let you be in control. Lord, may we be like God's people in Ezra's, uh, Ezra's time who give their lives to you. In your name we pray. Amen.